Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org. And now a message from The Rock of Gainesville. All right, it's great to see your beautiful faces. And uh, I'm going to jump right in this word this morning. We uh, I'm going to share something that uh, has been stirring in me for a little bit, and uh, I preached a message, uh, Hector said, six years ago. I thought it was like two years ago, but uh, six years ago titled Better Together, and, uh, it, and I actually preached that for six weeks, I think he said, um, but the last couple of weeks in the midst of everything that's going on in the world, in our church, in society, um, and meditating on the Word and a couple of different devotions. Um, I'm going to kind of touch on the same subject. I titled it this time, We're... Together. We're what? Together. Yeah, it was so good. I mean, it just... There we are, together. Together. Say it out loud. There you go. Thank you. Now I got it. Together, we're better. Uh, and I want to talk about doing life together I want to talk about community through covenant, and I want to talk about rejecting isolation for relationship. Rejecting isolation, it's a choice that we make. So let me pray. Father, thank you for the privilege of preaching your word. Thank you for the revelation of who we are uh, through Christ Jesus, our Lord, our Savior, our Redeemer. I am thankful, Father, for all that's happened in our lives because of Jesus Christ. And I'm thankful that uh, because of him, we are able to do life together. We are able to walk in covenant uh, in the community of believers that God has joined us to. Father, I thank you that you're not fickle or confused, uh, but that you literally place in the body of Christ those uh, that you literally want us walking with uh, the same way you have joined us in marriage and in family, Father. The body of Christ is so radically important. And I'm thankful uh, for the revelation that uh, isolating ourselves is not a good thing, that we need the relationships that will cause us to develop a godly character in our lives. So I just ask your blessing upon your word, Lord, revelation to come, inspiration to come out of the scriptures that we're going to read and share together, the insights that we're going to learn from uh, the believers in the early church 2,000 years ago. Father, same revelation uh, is needed today as was needed back then. So thank you for it. I ask your blessing upon it in Jesus' name. And everybody did, did a big amen. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 through 47, six verses here. I want to read them and then I'm going to comment about them. Acts chapter 2, verse 42, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God. And having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Now, in these six verses, uh, they describe the community of believers, and uh, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go through a few points, and then I'm going to ask you a question, because there is a word throughout those six verses that I just read and there's a word in these uh, six comments that I'm going to make uh, that really are the key of what I want to talk about this morning. So number one, these six verses describe a community of believers that were learning. Say learning. Learning, learning that doing life together is better than being isolated and trying to serve Jesus on their own. If you believe that, say amen. amen. 
Number two, they were eating together. How many of you like to eat together? Come on, somebody. The rest of you are lying. I'm going to have a salvation altar call in a couple of minutes. You can come get saved. Uh, my grandson, Wyatt, uh, has been with me since yesterday afternoon. My wife is out of town on an annual trip with some pastor's wives. And uh, so in the realization that she was departing, um, I called uh, Andrew and Jess and said, hey, can Wyatt come hang out with his Baba? And so, of course, if we're going to hang out, we're going to do what together? We're definitely, definitely, I said we're definitely going to eat. Now, we also played golf, uh, and uh, I actually sent all four of my grandsons uh, to golf camp this summer. Wow, that's expensive. And uh, so I told their dads and moms that uh, I was going to pay for them to go to golf camp, but after that, they had to decide if that was a sport they wanted to take up because it's expensive. So I said, if they don't like it, that's a, you know, that's a good life lesson. They'll learn it quick. And, uh, but uh, Wyatt and uh, Jordan, the youngest, Jordan told me the other day he played with his dad and I and Mr. Tom. And, and I said, Jordan, it was hotter than, you know what? It was, it's like, anybody realize it's hot right now in Florida besides myself? I mean, it's like, it's like Arizona. It's a sauna out there. And uh, we were playing the other morning, and we were in the third hole, and Wyatt, I mean, Jordan, uh, he was like, he was done. Third hole, he was done. He's laying in the golf cart, laying all up. I said, Jordan, what's wrong with you, son? Luke goes, Daddy didn't eat anything. I said, Luke, you can't bring the boy out here in a 100-degree temperature without anything to eat. And so we're, we're looking for, we're pulling out snacks. Well, Jordan, he just he got a mind of his own, and he doesn't eat anything. So except what he wants to eat, which is chicken tenders, tender chicken, and chicken tenders. And at 8 o'clock in the morning, we didn't have any chicken tenders. So we called the clubhouse. Oh, no, they're not cooking chicken tenders till 11 o'clock. So I'm like, Jordan, I'm sorry, son, but you're done. And, uh, but, but yesterday, uh, I, I took Wyatt out. I'm trying to take each of the boys individually uh, because uh, teaching is a, it's a gift. I don't have that gift. But I try to have that gift. But no, I was, so, so uh, I was teaching why yesterday I said, why we're going to, uh, we're not going to just hit balls at the range like we've always done. We're going to go out, play nine holes, and we'll start teaching you the game of golf. So I'm going to teach you what a birdie is and what a par is, what a bogey is, what a double bogey is. And we can go keep going higher, but you don't really want to go there. If you're going to live in the triple bogey and above, you probably don't like golf. Go play soccer or something else. But uh, so, and, and I said, we're going to learn uh, the etiquette of golf. So I was taking some pictures, sending them to dad and mom and, and, uh, and, and Andrew and Jim both text back and said, uh, well, you have to teach Wyatt golf etiquette because he's not dressed properly. So I looked over at him and sure enough, I'm like, he's got a long sleeve, you know, running shirt on, got running shorts on, no pockets for your golf ball, your tees. And, and I said, okay, yeah, we got to, he, he knows that part. So anyhow, the, and then the third part is uh, uh, just learning how to act around the course. And so we're doing all that. And the whole time we're thinking about food, right? Because it's hot out, it's in the afternoon, and uh, so we end up uh, having a good time. We play nine holes, and I teach him not to worry about the score right now. Just learn to learn the fundamentals. And of course, you know, as soon as we finish the first hole, what a, what a score, Baba! <laughs> I just told you not to worry about it. Well, but 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 what did I score? Well, you got a triple, uh, or maybe it was a double on the first one, and. Uh, but uh, by the third hole, uh, his, his ball's 15 feet off the edge of the, of the green. And, and I said, all right, son, go ahead and just chip it up there. And I turn, and then I hear a yell, and I turn back, and he's chipped. Ball's going up in the air, landing on the green, rolling the hole. Come on, somebody. I mean, who does that on their third hole ever, first in golf? And it's not normal, Wyatt. And so... So then we got to the eighth hole, and by now we, he's learning this stuff. We're walking out, and it's a, what, what's this one, Bob? This is a par three, uh, and about 160 yards. So he punches his ball straight down the middle this time, and about 120 yards. And then he chips up on the green, 22 feet from the flag, and then he puts it in for par and beats me by stroke. Come on, somebody. 
All right, so Wyatt, you and I are not going to be playing golf again for a while until <laughs> I work on my chipping and putting. And, and, and I said, Wyatt, that is not normal. Okay, you don't do that on your eighth hole out there. But uh, so he ended up shooting a legitimate 50 on his front nine. He was like, how bad is that? I said, Wyatt, I play with golfers that have been golfing their whole life that wish they could shoot a 50. So it's a game. But of course, as soon as we're through, we're what? We're hungry. And so Wyatt, what do you want to eat? We order pizza with everything but the kitchen sink on top of it. And, uh, you know, we get to that point. And, uh, but I say all that to say this. We were doing stuff together, building on the relationship. Each of my grandsons are uniquely different. Each one of them have a different personality. I hugged George this morning. George makes me so mad because now I'm looking up at my, how old are you, George? Somebody's alarm's going off. You're how old? You're about to turn 14. You're 13, right? Right now, you're 13. What did you say, Steph? Two weeks, he's going to be 14. So he's almost 14. I'm almost. At our age, we don't want to go almost, right? We're like, I'm still 66, and I'm going to be that till the night of my whatever. Anyhow, George stands up this morning and hugs me, and I look up at him. I just want to slap him. I mean, it's like, it's not fair. I've been this size my whole life, and now I'm shrinking, and, and George is still growing. But, but there's something about being together with those that God has given you either naturally by family or spiritually by spiritual family, and they're both invaluable. I could stand up here and talk about each of my 10 grandkids. I could tell you the unique differences in each one of their lives, their personalities, their giftings. Why? Because I know why. Because I've hung out with them. I've had them over to spend the night. And, and, and uh, I, I know their personalities. I know their, their quirkinesses. I know their girls bring a lot of drama into the family. See, I didn't know that. I only had sons growing up. So, you know, once my, our oldest two granddaughters, Caroline and Eva, uh, were at the house for a little while uh, together uh, years ago, we realized that with girls comes drama. <laughs> One minute they like each other, the next minute they're mad at each other. And the guys, well, they just slap each other around and go back out and start playing. But girls, man, they can bring that attitude with them. What is it with you girls? They got to think about it. Now, they're eventually, they're eventually going to be okay, but, but it could be an hour or so. But there is beauty in that that, you know, I never experienced until granddaughters came into the house. But, but the, the relationships that we have, it's the beauty of what God uh, created us to be about because there are wonderful things that happen in our lives through the relationships. You look to the right and left of you, you probably know the person beside you or maybe in front of you or behind you. And, and each of these people brings something different to the table. Would you say amen to that? In your life, everybody brings something different to the table. But as I was saying in point two, they were eating together, they were praying together, they were sharing together, and basically they were enjoying life in the spirit together. Number three, I love this when I was reading this, meditating on Acts uh, chapter two. It seemed that they were filled with awe and wonder at how the Holy Spirit was moving in their midst and helping them to help each other in very difficult times. For those of you that have watched the first three seasons of The Chosen, you, you maybe for the first time in your life saw the disciples in a way you never saw it when you were just reading the Bible. You read the Word, you read about how the, the disciples responded in one way or another, but all of a sudden, you know, the way The Chosen portrays these, they're real people like you and me. And when you're together, come on, let's be honest here. When you're together with anybody besides yourself for more than an hour, there's an opportunity for disagreement. Amen? And some of you, you're by yourself. And you're talking to yourself and you're disagreeing with yourself. Come on, somebody. I know some of y'all see y'all walking around and your lips are going like this. Ain't nobody. It's like, do they have earbuds in? What's going on? Are they talking to somebody? They're talking to themselves. They're trying to figure it out. 
And sometimes you disagree. Sometimes I have whipped into a restaurant hungry. I mean, I'm, I'm going to an appointment, but, but I'm hungry. I got to have something. So I'm thinking about it. I'm, I don't do fast food. So I'm, where can I get some good, healthy food? And then you whip into a place and all of a sudden you don't want to be in that place. And so you talk and discuss with yourself that maybe there's another place closer to where you're going and you might have time to get there and uh, get out of there. But uh, the reality is things happen when we're together. Number four, they were spending time every day worshiping God together, watching as Father God by his Holy Spirit was adding new people to the faith. And because they were being added to the faith, they were also being added to their family. Don't you, how many of you like meeting new people? How many of you don't like people at all? You just, you don't like people. You'd prefer just people leave you alone. Don't talk to me. You know? I, I know some of y'all, actually a couple of you just raised your hand. I'm praying for you. Because I hate to tell you, heaven's going to be really crowded with people. But the process of learning to deal with relationships, hear me, it's kingdom. It's a kingdom thing. God doesn't want us just walking into a building, sitting down, looking at the back of someone's head, figuring out if they're a male or female, how much hair, and well, if they do this with their part, it could probably look a little better. You're sitting in church. You're supposed to be hearing the word of God, and you're mesmerized by the person's head in front. Somebody sent me one of those TikTok thingamajiggy videos or something where a, a person was sitting in church and they said, man, I'm struggling today concentrating. And they show a video of the back of this guy's head. And he's a big guy. Big, he's a big guy and he's bald headed and he's got his sunglasses on the back. How many of y'all saw that? And he's got his sunglasses on the back like, like this and, and he's so big that his head and neck are kind of wrinkled so it looks like lips. And seriously, I'm sitting there going, I would have had to get up and move. I mean, I would have just like, got to go to the bathroom, you know, and come back in and find another place to sit. But this person said, yeah, it's really hard to concentrate because every time the guy turned or moved his head, it looked like he was smiling. His neck neck muscles were moving, but it was, you know, never mind. Anyhow, yeah, relationships. Number what? Five, they had all things in common and they were devoted to each other and to the kingdom of God. So what is the key word in these five points that I shared also found in those six verses in Acts chapter 2? Anybody know? What? Not they. Together. Together. Together is a powerful word. Together changes things in our life. When God brings us together with other folks, some of you go to a connect group and you realize and go in there that you have a prejudice that you didn't know you had. Because there's somebody in that group that you didn't realize. Is it best for you just to leave that group? Or is it better to find out maybe why God brought you into that group anyhow? Because it's probably something about building your character. Helping you to learn to deal with things in your heart. Maybe you have a prejudice against this or that. And that this or that affects you so much that like, you know, while things are going on, you can't even concentrate because you're just looking for the exit. And yet the Lord's brought you into this place. You know, I was talking with someone the other day, uh, we were having coffee, and they asked me about my first missions trip, and I said, my first missions trip I ever went on outside of the United States, I did some uh, domestic missions trips in New York City, that was like going to a foreign country, Um, uh, we did that three summers in a row, but in 1988, when I was invited to go to Kinshasa, Zaire, Africa, uh, those 21 days changed my life forever. Because I found out that God wasn't white, wasn't American, and didn't only speak English. I found out that God really was 
even though my idea of the world was America, Florida, Alachua County, Gainesville, my neighborhood. And yet, the beauty of the bigness of God and the beauty of the kingdom of heaven is we're going to be together forever. Because together is such a powerful kingdom thing. And in that trip to Africa, I fell in love with some brothers that had much darker skin than I did and could not speak a lick of my language. And I couldn't understand anything they were saying. It just sounded like mumble jumble, even when they spoke slow. And the translator said to me, because the first time I ever spoke with a translator, I, I preached in English, my only language that I butcher quite well. And then Dr. Lovick's daughter, Marcia, translated it into French. And then the pastor translated it into the tribal language of the church where I was preaching. By the time it's back to me, I didn't know what I was saying. <laughs> it's like, am I telling the Jack and Jill ran up the hill story? Or, you know, am I talking about what am I talking about? Because my sentence would be like, you know, 10 or 15 seconds maybe 20 if I really stretched out, and then Marcia's would be like a minute. And then the preacher, he'd preach for like three, five minutes, seven. I think, how did he get that out of Jesus wept? You know? But I mean, he would just go, I mean, and I just figured he's preaching his own message. And I'm quite okay with that. But wow, did I learn some things about life? Did I learn some things about God's creation? Did I learn some things about the beauty? Man, at the end of that service, it was hotter than Hades. It made, it made us feel like right now we're in air condition. I mean, we are in air condition, but I, I meant when you go outside. And, and we preached for a good hour and a half. That was after 45 minutes to an hour of just incredible thumping worship. No other instruments, but they had things to thump on. So they had a thumper here and a thumper here and a thumper here and a, and a bang, bang, banger here. And, and, uh, and man, they were worshiping. And then when we finished preaching, I thought we're over. Then it's time to receive tithes and offering. Oh, that lasted almost an hour. I mean, they're dancing like we do on seed offering. They, it's every service for them. They're dancing down that aisle. They're spinning around. They're jumping. They're saying, every once in a while you'd hear, hallelujah. Go, I know that word. I feel like I'm at home. But boy, they just worshiped. And something about being with a body of believers that one day, hear me, one day there will be no language barrier. One day I'm going to see those brothers again that carried my briefcase and walked with me and made sure I had something to eat, made sure I had plenty of water to drink, made sure I was safe at night in the compound where we were staying. They literally sat outside of my little bedroom every single night, one on chair on the right side of my door and one on the left side all night long, sat upright. And the minute I'd open that door in the morning, they'd pop to their feet, big smile on their face and go, hallelujah. I'd go, Hallelujah. Then the other one would go, what? Hallelujah. hallelujah. And then I'd been, hallelujah. And then we'd start our day off. And then at night, I'd open the door and go in and nod, hallelujah, hallelujah. By then, we're tired. We're not, we're not hallelujah and so loud. But, but, <laughs> but the relationship was amazing. So together, together is a powerful word. Genesis chapter 2, verse 18 says this. Then the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now, I know this verse is talking about a husband and a wife, male and female, being joined together. But in so many ways, the bigger picture of Genesis 2.18 is that God does not want any of us alone. None of us. No matter whether you're married. Some people are married and they're alone. I mean, they live in their house, and they're alone. She's over there. He's over there. They ain't talking. They're not eating together. I mean, it's just, they coexist. Some of y'all coexist at church. Ooh. 
But hear me, let me tell you a secret. You need us in your life. Dan, is that you back there? I heard y'all had a baby this week. Congratulations, man. Bethany gave birth this week to a baby, a baby girl. Olivia Jane. All right, everybody's doing well? Awesome. She needs us. She needs her mommy. She needs her daddy. We need each other. Even if momentarily we don't like each other. Now, has anyone in here ever not liked someone else that's in this room? Don't raise your hand. Oh, I saw some, some of y'all are like, yeah, the person sitting right beside me. We just, we're just still working it out. Been married 12 years. Great. Awesome. But we need each other. It's not a matter of just wanting. It literally is a matter of needing each other more than we realize. It was never in the heart of God that mankind should be alone. We literally were created for community. Because things happen when we're together that will never happen when we're alone. There's things that are going to happen in your life when you allow God to bring people into your life that maybe are not the easiest people in the world to like or love. But there is a reason that the Lord has brought them into your life. And it's because he not only loves them, he loves you. He's wanting to build your character and he's wanting you to be prepared. Come on, for heaven. Everybody that I have had the privilege of celebrating their life over the last 15 years, people that were a part of our house that are with Jesus today, there's not one that I can think of that I have anything except great thoughts about. Whether it's my mama, I don't remember, you know, the worst thing that ever happened between my mom and I. When I think about my mom, they're good thoughts. The other day I had a memory pop up on my phone. I looked down, it was Andrew and Jess's wedding, which was a long time ago, 18 plus years ago now. And in the picture that popped up was a picture of my mom and Suzanne's mom together. They're both with Jesus today. And they looked so pretty and they were all dressed up. And, and I was looking at that picture and it made me smile. The thought, one day, See, that's why believers, we don't grieve the, the way unbelievers grieve. I don't look at that and go, oh, my God, I'm ne never going to get to see Mama again. Yeah, I'm going to live forever with Mama. We're going to work out our differences. <laughs> we have plenty of time. However, how, how many of you know forever is like a really long time? I mean, it's like you can't comprehend eternity. Nobody in this room can comprehend eternity. But just to keep on keeping on loving God and loving his people, loving his family, loving those that you walked out life with. Can I tell you something? That's why I love people that understand loyalty, longevity, relationships are worth fighting for. They're worth fighting for. I mean, my wife and I have been married 44 years. And we are not together because I'm perfect. She's out of town this week. I'm perfect this week. She misses me already. I mean, she misses me. She, she wasn't out hardly out of town an hour. She misses me. She's calling me on the phone. But sometimes when we're together, and we've been together like a long time, like days, hours, <laughs> it's just like, man, sometimes you can just get aggravated, right? Am I... Am I being honest or just, I'm, I'm the only one that ever deals with this. You've been married a week, you're dealing with this. Like, I, I just need a break. This time I didn't even have to say, honey, isn't it time for you to go off with your sister and your friends? I, I mean, I didn't have to do that. It, it, it had been a good week. But now that she's gone, man, I like, I'm hugging her pillow last night. No, Wyatt, you can't come and sleep with Bobby. Go get in your own bed. I got Bella's pillow. Why? Because it, it smells like Bella. And, and there's, there's something 
And I know, hear me, listen, I, I know many of you have suffered through the pain of divorce or you're the product, like myself, of divorce. Wyatt was asking me some questions this morning. I, I said, Wyatt, how old are you? And he told me, and I said, wow, the revelation that I was Wyatt's age when I got on a trailway bus and left home for good, never returned, 13 years old. I'm like, Wyatt, if you ever even think about it, I'll knock you in the next week. And that's right after your mama knocks you into whatever. It, it, it's like, it, and, and why it's like trying to figure out, Baba, what, why, how? Well, some things you can't explain. You just say, somehow God kept me, protected me, watched over me. And even in that process of all that pain, and he said, well, why'd you leave? Well, you know, my brother and I were, I was 13. He was 14 going on 15. I knew he was messing around. I kept telling him, you keep doing what you're doing. You're going to get your girlfriend pregnant. And, and so I'm explaining all this to my grandson. Well, what happened, Baba? Well, I left him a week later. We got the phone call that my brother's girlfriend at 13, just turned 14, was pregnant. He was 15 going on 16 about to become a dad. By 18, they were married and had three kids. Wow. I mean, I know that happened in the Bible days. <laughs> we're in the post-Bible days. <laughs> wow. But the pain, see, that was never God. But sometimes God redeems situations in ways you can't explain. You look back, I talked about Oscar a few weeks ago leaving home at being put on a plane at eight years of age not knowing if he'll ever see his mom and dad again ever how, how how can you do that because you love your child so much you're trying to get them to a better life hoping trusting believing that there's going to be somebody out there that they're going to be joined to and the joining together what god's desire for us is that we are we were created for community, we were cre created for relationships, we were created to walk together, and in the midst of it, we're going to have disagreements, we're going to have arguments, we're going to have discussions, um, we're going to have loud arguments. But the key is we don't quit. Is we don't quit. Is we choose to fight for what's important in our lives. Amen? We fight for one another. We fight for brothers and sisters. Tom was telling me the other day that Pastor Dennis um, from Jamaica had reached out to him, and Pastor Dennis and I text every single week, and, and we're communicating. And I haven't seen Pastor Dennis now in almost five years. I've been to Jamaica 61 times, but I haven't seen him now in almost five years because of circumstances, because of my diagnosis, my battle, because of COVID, because of everything that's going on. And Pastor Dennis will write me and, and he'll say, Pastor, 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 I need you. He's a grown man, but he has need of what the relationship that we have brings into his life. And I need what he brings into my life. We, we need each other. Like four amens to that. And the rest of you are like, yeah, Pastor, you don't know me. I don't need nothing. Yeah. You believe a lie from hell. We really need one another more than we realize. I'm going to show you a video clip. My daughter-in-law just sent this to the family yesterday. And... And it's so tied into these thoughts that, that I was praying about all week, and especially uh, for our youth. This Wednesday, this last Wednesday night, we started, uh, moved our youth ministry back over to the South Campus and had a ton of kids, about 75 kids uh, showed up, and we had parents there, and they had just a great time of worship, and they had their, they had their life, they had all their stuff, and, and I heard they had ice cream Sundays, and like, woo, as soon as the worship was over, the ice cream eating began. And I heard one of my grandsons was the first one in line. I'm not going to say which one, but some of them like ice cream. But, but in the midst of it, I was thinking about all of these amazing youth that God has given us. 
And oftentimes I'm tired of hearing parents, parents complaining or grandparents complaining about, oh, how bad it is for our kids in this generation because it makes me think God's not caught off guard. And the generation that we're living in today, this is our generation. This is our opportunity to do something significant for God. And his grace is sufficient in our lives. So we don't have to, woe is me, my kids are going through stuff that I didn't go through. Well, that's awesome and great that you didn't go through it. But there's a grace for them now to walk through whatever it is. If you as the parents will take the authority that God's given you, teach, cover, guard, watch over, pray, protect, know what's happening in your children's life, and remind them constantly of how awesome they are in Jesus Christ. Amen. So I'm going to pop this video up. The video is it, the the it's not great uh, because we you know captured it all, all the technical stuff. I can't explain. Anyhow, just listen to the words. It's like when I was growing up, testing when they get up and they'd stand up to sing and they'd say, "Oh Lord, help me!" No, y'all don't listen to y'all don't listen to how I sound. Just listen to what I say. <laughs> it's like, we can't hear what you say because the sound is so bad. <laughs> but but this, this sound is awesome. You need to hear these words. Listen to this uh, real quick. It's a short video. Listen to this. Don't feel sorry for or fear for your kids because the world they're going to grow up in isn't what it used to be. God created them and called them for the exact moment in time they're in. And their life wasn't a coincidence or an accident. So raise them up to know the power they walk in as children of God and train them up in the authority of his word and teach them to walk in faith, knowing that God is in control and empower them to know they can change the world. And don't teach them to be fearful and disheartened by the state of the world, but hopeful that they can do something about it. Every person in all of history has been placed at the time they were in because of God's sovereign plan. He knew Daniel could handle the lion's den. He knew David could handle Goliath. He knew Esther could handle Haman. He knew Peter could handle persecution. And he knows that your child can handle whatever challenge they face in their life because he created them specifically for it. Don't be scared for your children, but be honored that God chose you to parent the generation that's facing the biggest challenges of our lifetime. So rise up to the challenge. Raise up Daniels, Peters, Davids, and Esthers. And God isn't scratching his head wondering what he's going to do with this mess of a world. He has an army he's raising up to drive back the darkness and make him known all over the world. So don't let your fear steal the greatness God placed in them. I know it's hard to imagine them as anything beside our sweet little babies, and we just want to protect them from anything that could ever be hard on them. But they were born for such a time as this. Amen, amen. Our children were born for such... A time as this. I believe that with my whole heart. And I believe that we have an opportunity here to raise up a generation of children or a generation of high school students, a generation of middle school students, a generation of elementary school students who know who they are in Christ Jesus and are not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. These kids need each other. They need to be together. They need the relationships that are going to come out of being together in the presence of God where they're worshiping together, they're praying for each other together, they're relating with each other together. It's their generation. So parents, parent your children. Don't let them decide what's important and what's not important. Don't let them decide if they're going to go to church this weekend or not or they're going to go to youth group this weekend or not. You're the parent, they're not. It doesn't matter that they don't think they want to go. What matters is you know how important it is. When we, were, when, when we were raising our boys, there were just some things that were never up for question. Going to church was one of them. I mean, we didn't have a choice. I'm preaching. Mom's playing the piano, leading worship. We, ain't, we don't have any other family living in town. We have nobody to leave our kids to. So if they're sick... They're sitting on the front row or laying under the front row chair. Or they're tucked away in the corner in the back with a pillow under their head and a blanket over them because there are no choices. We're going to church. We didn't have the option for the whole family to stay home, watch church online. And I'm thankful for church online. Amen? Whenever I have to be gone, I am thankful that I get to watch and be a part of my church family. I can go visit another church. And oftentimes we do. 
but it's like going to your cousin's house. It's good. It ain't great. There's just something great about home. How I many you go off on a trip, you're going, you have a great time, man. Stay in a nice hotel, you do all the nice stuff. But man, you walk in your house and you just, you stop and sniff. You smell. You can't wait to be in your bed. You can't wait to be on your toilet. Come on, somebody. Now we're family talking. We're family here. I mean, I don't have one of those low toilets. I got one that fits me perfect. I just back up and sit down. Come on, it's my toilet. Invite me to your house, but it ain't the same. I know how to turn the fan on. I, I know how to make noise, you know. I, I know how all, all kinds, but it's because it's yours. And in the body of Christ, our children, our youth, our young people, while wow, we need each other. To me, this video is such an encouraging word for our kids that we don't have to feel sorry for this generation of young people. They need us to remind them that they belong to the kingdom of our God, and He is well able. Say well able. Come on, say well able. He is well able to take care of your children and your children's children. They also need to realize how much they need each other as believers and that together we're better and stronger than when we're alone. John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35, I'm going to close. That's the first warning of a closing. Doesn't mean anything. John chapter 13, verse 34. A new co commandment I give to you, that you what? What's it say? Love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. Love is the key that binds us together. Not always agreeing on every issue, but loving and walking together in the unity of our faith in Christ Jesus. Love that says to the world, we belong to Jesus. You know, I was reading through the New Covenant last week, and I realized in thinking of this message of the necessity that we're better together, I realized that as soon as Jesus started his ministry, as soon as he started walking in faith at 30 years of age to obey what God had created for him to accomplish, he had lived for three years, for 30 years, he's going to do what God called him to do for three years, and then his time on this earth is over. But as soon as he began to step out of Nazareth and to go obey the Father, guess what he did? He began to draw around him men and women and even children. He said, don't rebuke the children. They need to come sit on my lap. Our children need to be sitting on the lap of Christ. They need to understand how desperately they need the Lord in their lives. He drew women, he drew men, he drew children, and he taught them, he taught them to love one another, serve one another, help one another. He taught them community. From the beginning of creation, being alone was never God's plan. And so as we meditate on this need of living together and communing together, the community of believers, we recognize how much we need each other and that isolation is a lie from hell. It'll separate you and divide you, and it'll cause you to begin to believe things that are not true. When you don't have someone as a checkpoint for you, an accountability person for you, someone that when you say something, they love you enough to go, that's the dumbest thing I ever heard in my life. I've had people tell me that, that love me, and it helped save my life. When I went to my pastor at 18 years of age and told him what I was going to do for God, he laughed in my face. And then he put a cassette tape in and he hit record. And for 30 minutes, he told me where I would end up if I followed this pursuit of what I was pursuing. Because in my mind, I thought, man, I just want to do it for God. He said, you need to grow up. You need to learn discipline. You need to learn how to finish something that you started. You, learn, you need to learn to make sure that your word is your bond. 
And when you shake hands with somebody, you don't need a contract because your word is better than that piece of paper. He said, you need to learn these things. That was somebody who loved me enough to tell me the truth. So what does a community of believers look like? As believers in Christ Jesus, we are graced to live in community, to have strong, healthy relationships where we learn to do life together by helping, sharing, encouraging, forgiving, giving, honoring one another, and a whole list of other things that all of you can write out. Andy Stanley quoted, what if just one anothered, what if we just one anothered one another better? Do you get that? What if we just one anothered one another better? There are multiple verses, almost 60, I believe, in the New Testament alone that instruct us how to treat one another. Listen, and I'm really closing on this one. I, I just picked six or seven, kind of alphabetical order, starting with the book of Romans, chapter 15, verse 14. The word says we're to instruct one another. Galatians 5.13 says we're to serve one another. Ephesians 4.32 says we're to forgive one another. Philippians chapter 2 verse 3 says we're to honor one another. Hebrews chapter 3 verse 13 says we're to encourage one another. James chapter 5 verse 16 says that we are to pray for one another. That puts in perspective what Andy Stanley said. What if we one another, one another better? What if we took to heart the scriptures that we find all throughout the new covenant of how much we really need each other? And if we do, his grace will be sufficient in our lives. God loves us so much and he created us for such a time as this. And he wants us to know his love that was given to us through his son, Jesus Christ. And he wants us to enjoy his family that we're going to spend eternity with. Because there's only one God, one Lord, one Savior, one Christ, one heaven. One day when our time is over on this earth, and it will be, one day we're going to enter into his presence. And I trust that you will hear what my heart's desire, what I live every day to hear. One day, well done, thou good and faithful. Enter in what I have for you. And you know what it is that you're entering into? Family. Going to be reunited with all of those that have gone before you, all your loved ones, your children, your parents, your siblings, your spiritual family. I mean, I, I think it's going to take at least a thousand years if there's any such thing as years in eternity. I don't know. But I think it's going to take a really long time just to go through getting to greet and hug and love on everybody that's gone before us and everything that's coming behind us. So it begins with a relationship with Jesus Christ. It begins with us acknowledging and receiving the fullness of salvation. And then after that, man, God, what do you have for us? What do you have for me? What do you want to accomplish? How do you want to use me to touch someone else's life? How do you want to use someone else to touch my life? Would you bow your head, please? Father, I thank you for the promise that comes through your son, Jesus Christ, that he died for us so that together we could learn to love one another, that we could love you, Father, because you first loved us. We love Jesus Christ for all that he did for us and accomplished on the cross for our benefit. And because of that love, Father, that's been given to us, we freely can love back. But just as importantly as Jesus declared, the second commandment is great as the first, and that is that we love our neighbor as we love ourselves. I'm thankful for the grace to love, to forgive, to walk out in relationship one with another. Thankful for my family, the body of Christ here. Lord, that together we truly get to walk out the fullness of all of your word in our life. And we don't have to excuse it away or justify it or look for some reason to explain why it's better to just quit or walk away. Father, help us in our marriages to fight for each other. 
Help us in our spiritual families to fight for each other. Help us, Father, to realize the most important things in the world and to have the grace to walk in it. I thank you for that. With every head bowed, believers, would you pray for just a moment? If you're watching online this morning, it's been an honor to have you watching with us, participating. If you do not know Jesus Christ today as your personal Lord and Savior, before you can ever walk out all these things you've heard me preach today, it begins with a recognition, a realization that Jesus died for you. He loved you that much that he died so that you could have life. If you're sitting in this room this morning, you do not know Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. Today, you can pray a simple prayer, invite Jesus to come into your life, and today, he is ready to change your life for eternity. He's ready to give you purpose and meaning and understanding. He's waiting to give you the grace that you will need to walk out, to love, to give, to serve, to be, to share. Jesus loves you so much. So believers are praying for you right now if you're sitting in this room and you do not know Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life and you allow me the privilege of leading you in a prayer this morning. Right where you sit, would you just lift up your hand and hold it? Let me recognize it. Let me pray for you this morning. Yes, sir, God bless you, sir. You can put it down once I see it. Thank you so very much. There's others in here. There's others watching online today. Yes, dear, God bless you. You can put it down. Thank you so much. Jesus loves you so much. He has a plan, a purpose, a future, and a hope for your life. But it begins with you acknowledging, recognizing, inviting him to become Lord and Savior of your life. Anyone else, I don't want to rush anybody through this. But today, this is your opportunity to invite him to be Lord of your life. If you're watching online, you can call in this week. Pray this prayer with us in just a moment. Let us know. But I rejoice with those in this room that have raised their hand. I want to invite all of you, right where you're sitting, to pray this prayer out loud with me. Those of you that raised your hand, pray it in faith. We're going to join with you and pray this together. Pray it now. Father God, in the name of your son Jesus, I come before you. I thank you for loving me first, for giving your son to me to die on the cross so that his blood, Jesus, your blood, would cleanse me from all unrighteousness, all sin. I acknowledge I'm a sinner. I acknowledge today that I need Jesus to be Lord of my life. And so I invite you, Jesus, come into my heart. I surrender my life, my mind, my soul, my body, my all. I surrender to you today, and I choose this day to love you, Father, to receive your love, to receive your forgiveness. Today, I choose you for the rest of the days of my life. I choose Jesus. I thank you, Father, for loving me this much, and I pray this in the powerful name of Jesus Christ, amen. Amen. Come on, give the Lord a praise for these this morning. We rejoice. We rejoice with those of you that responded, either in this room or online. Thank you for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, visit therockonline.org.